Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. In today's episode, we'll delve into a topic that is crucial for maintaining intimacy in long-term relationships. Yes, we're talking about sexual tension. We are honored to have Alicia Devon back on our show. Alicia, along with her partner Erwan, is a renowned expert in relationship and sex. They are helping individuals take their relationships to new heights of romance and intimacy. With their high-end boutique service based in San Francisco Bay Area, Alicia and Erwan have been transforming the lives of countless couples since 2003. In our conversation, we explore the factors that contribute to the reduction of sexual tension in long-term relationships and discuss strategies for reigniting the excitement experience in the early stages of a relationship. Alicia shares valuable insights on how continuous flirting and focusing on eroticism can create positive tension and enhance sexual connection. We also delve into delicate balance between novelty and comfort in long-term sexual relationships and explore ways to manage the desire for novelty while cherishing the comfort and familiarity that come with long-term relationships. This episode is part of our Summer Sexy Bucket List series, and we have a special free gift for our listeners. Be sure to download our checklist filled with exciting new ideas to spice up your summer romance. Just click in the link in the episode description. Now, without further ado, let's dive into the fascinating conversation with Alicia Devon. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome back Alicia Devon on our show. Alicia, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to see you again. Well, this is the third time we're having you on our show. I know the last two times they were fantastic. We had one on extended massive orgasm that people loved. And I know that's one of the teaching that you do. And today we're going to talk about something I think equally important, which is how to build sexual tension in the relationships, especially long-term relationships. One of the challenges that many people have is long-term, their partner becomes their roommate. There's just, they don't have that spark. They want to have what we call maintenance sex. They want to be connected with the partner, but it just feels for many of my clients at least that they're having sex with their family member in a way and they don't want that. So let's talk about sexual tension. What do we mean when we're saying sexual tension? When I hear sexual tension, you know, it's funny because the word tension is sort of like ah, tension, right? But it's really that the presence of turn on and desire and romantic and sexual interest and you feel it in your body. I mean, you feel whether you're literally feeling it in your genitals or not. You know, sometimes we feel butterflies or we just feel more alive and turned on. And there's that interest in moving towards another. And it's like that juicy feeling like when we have the hots for somebody. I agree with you. And I think when we meet someone for the first time, right, like or someone that's new, like newer partner, 
this buildup of sexual tension, if you're interested in that person, is in a way it's effortless, right? It's, it's more like kind of like you're forced in a way to kind of experiment and discover this person because you have no preconceived knowledge about the person. But with your partner, sometimes people make this assumption that they know everything about their partner. There's nothing to discover. And I find that not having sexual tension can have negative implication in the relationship. And it's really important. How do you see that showing up for your clients? It's so common. I mean, it is the single most common reason that couples come to work with Erwan and me is some kind of decreased chemistry, turn on, like that romantic vibe isn't at the forefront anymore. And, you know, people in relationships develop, first of all, familiarity with each other at the least. But then you add on kids and jobs and house and family stuff and home improvements, all of it. And then you just start relating to the person through that lens of kind of a business family partner and less like you're, you're hottie. And what's really interesting is on one level, why that happens is kind of logistical, right? You know, if you have kids and you're more tired and more busy or all the other things I just mentioned. But there's also something that happens psychologically and often unconsciously for a lot of people where as you're creating more of a family unit with the person, whether you have kids or not, but just more of a family, these patterns and unconscious conditioning tend to seep into the dynamic. You may find yourself relating how your parents related to each other, or just feeling kind of familial. And that has its benefits. I mean, that's really lovely in terms of having a sense of belonging and creating family and all these things that many of us want. And it's beautiful, but it tends to overshadow the hotness and the romantic vibe. And people just kind of don't know how to get that back. I think most people notice it. And it's also very cliche, you know, I mean, it's like there's jokes about it. And but people don't really know how to get the romantic vibe back. So that's kind of where the problem lies. And then you add on how people deal with not knowing how to get it back. Some people blame each other. Some people have affairs. Some people just become complacent and ignore it. So many great points that you brought up, Alicia. I think one of the things that you mentioned that it's almost, I feel for most couples, it's a default, right? That unless you're doing something to build sexual tension, it's common for people to fall into that like roommate or parent to child dynamic, all of those kind of unsexy things to over overtake the relationship kind of atmosphere and dynamics. And I think people have this, as you said, preconceived notion that that is common and normal. And that's a, that's the way it's supposed to be. I, I hate it when people say like, you know, long-term relationship, first couple of years, sex is great. And then you develop this deep commitment. Like, what is that? <laughs> I want great <laughs> sex and deep commitment. There's nothing wrong with that, but it feels like it needs to be either or situation. So I think that's why many people get complacent, as you mentioned, or they seek out of, out of their primary relationship, other relationships to bring back that 
novelty, which again, if it's something that's been discussed, there's nothing wrong with that. But for so many people, they do it in secrecy. So let's talk about how we can cultivate that. Are there things you can do to foster that sexual tension in long-term relationship? Definitely. And the first thing that I would say is acknowledging it first, you know, acknowledging like, hey, you know, I love you. And now we've we're building this beautiful life or we've been together for this long and I feel so connected in lots of ways and we kind of lost that romantic vibe, you know, and, and I want to get it back. I miss that. So having a positive way of telling your partner that that's how you feel and bringing it into awareness, right? And this is often a place where some couples, not all, but some get into a conflict already. The other partner may or may not be interested in getting that back. They might be like, we're fine. I'm comfortable. This is how it's supposed to be, kind of like what you said. So I want to say that because I think a lot of people struggle with that. One person wanting to open back up and grow and the other person like kind of a little like doesn't want to do that. So talk about it first and then get on the same page. And then if you're not on the same page about that, then you have to deal with that. You know, the person who is suggesting you do some, make an effort to get it back needs to look and see, okay, well, am I going to make a big deal out of this? Am I going to relent? What am I going to do here? And I definitely recommend not giving up though. You know, I mean, if you're the person that wants more fun and action in the relationship, you know, I have one student that I work with, I coach her and she's in a relationship and she knows about her partner that he always says no first. He always just says no at first to whatever idea. And it's, you know, based in his childhood and stuff with his mom, but she just knows that about him. So she knows not to give up if he poo-poos an idea at first. It's just part of the process. So, so anyways, talk about it first, get on the same page. The second piece would be to create time and space for pleasure time. This is what Erwan and I call it. It doesn't need to be sex or sexual right away or anything, but prioritizing having time that's not related to the kids or to work or productivity and home improvements or visiting family or whatever it is, but that's to you both having fun. So that's the second piece. Because if it doesn't get into your real life, into your calendar and your schedule, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be like a good idea. Then the third thing is when you are together, there's there's kind of two parts to this. One is to do new and different things with each other. Don't do the same old thing. Go to a different part of town. You know, Erwan and I will often just go to some part of San Francisco we haven't been to or try a new bar or, you know, grab another couple that we don't know very well and go have drinks or something to kind of bust you out of your normal. I have a friend who talks about her husband. She's like, God, we just get in this rut. And then we go out and hang out with other couples. And then I see him the way that they see him. I see him interacting with them differently than he interacts with me. And he's just more himself in different ways that I just don't see. And then it makes her more attracted to him because she just gets out of that stuck way that we all relate with people. So 
doing something new and exciting. That, that's what desire wants is newness, adventure, something like that. So that's one piece of what to do when you're in your pleasure time. And then the second piece of that is to get physical. And it doesn't have to be sexual right away, or it can be, but, you know, everyone and I have these touch practices that we train couples in. So we have those, those are like concrete, sensual practices you can do, or maybe you receive massages together in a couple massage, or you give each other something with physicality and touch and your bodies, and it gets you out of your head. So I'll stop there to see if you have any questions so far, but those are the first few steps. I love all you said. I think those are all very important points. I think going back and to kind of like naming what's happening in the relationship, it's really important. And it is an art, like how to communicate your frustration, right? Like when you're sharing that with your partner, because sometimes if we're not processed, haven't processed it ourselves yet, we might kind of think about like, you're not doing this for me anymore. And like, it turns to a you situation versus us situation. If, because in reality, all of these dynamics, all parties involved play a role. So it's not that your partner is not doing this and you're, you're, you're not getting what you need. So I would, as you said, like you kind of like communicate it in a way that your partner is receptive, kind of in a neutral way, putting it on us versus you. I think the other component of it that you talk about is really, really helpful is kind of scheduling pleasurable time. Because I think unless it's it's not scheduled, for most people, that frequency drastically decreases, right? And I think that's how people end up to this place of only having vacation sex, right? Because when you're on vacation, you have the space for spontaneous sex, but in life, if you especially you have children, you have like high demanding job, it's hard to find a time that both of you are an optimal mode to have sex because it's not even enough if you're present. You want to be able to have the energy and ex- be excited to be with your partner. I think that also, as you said, it's very, very important. And I think it's, it's something that you, people can cultivate. So, right, like desire is something you can cultivate, right? If you know that, okay, our plan is Sunday morning is our pleasure time. Maybe before I can do things to at least put my mind at ease. So I'm not at this place of kind of like anxiety and frustration. And I love that you were talking about bringing novelty. This is part of our sex bucket list series that we're talking about. And I think novelty is really, really important. Because many couples, they just feel bored. Like that's why they're not having more connecting sexual experiences. Especially I feel it's true in a heterosexual couple. I see a lot of women, they are bored from the context, right? That is, they don't have low desire. They just don't want exactly the same kind of experiences. They want something different. So I think like taking workshops, like, like your classes or trying something new, either it's a sex toy or things of that nature that can be very helpful. So if our partner, as if they're not on board with kind of like trying new things, first of all, I think what, how do you recommend people to choose new activities? What would be a fit? You talk about outside the bedroom, kind of maybe doing kind of going to a new restaurant bar on its own that can be energizing. But what are other ways that people can kind of bring novelty in the bedroom? It's a really good question. And I think that when one 
considers novelty in the bedroom, they immediately think of things like, ooh, I'm going to dress up, you know, in a rubber suit and bring in my sex toys and my whip and all of this. Now, that's great if you like that. Do that. You know, I'm not knocking it. But there are so many other ways to get excited and appeal to your partner. And it usually begins with some kind of conversation about like, okay, let's try some new things. What do we want to do that's new? And talking about each other's kinks and what do you like? And some people are shy to talk about that. And some people think when I say kink, you to say something really crazy, like you're, you know, like I said, dressed up in this thing or you're, you know, whatever. No, it could simply be, I want to have sex in a different room in the house, you know, or I want to do it at a time of day that you're sort of not supposed to, or, you know, I want to wear this outfit for you, or I want you to, you know, send me sexy texts during the day, or one partner might decide to do that themselves and build the energy. So different people, I'll use the word kink, you know, people have different kinks. People have different things that get them a little riled up. And some people also really love romantic gestures and some it's more kind of sexy and, you know, things that are forbidden and and so So it's a really great opportunity. You know, sometimes one or both partners might have resistance to exploring this because there's, you know, condition shame or feeling not enough or if they're the partner that like their partner brought it up they might feel a little bad or all of that stuff we want to have space for our emotional and psychological experience and then you know it's exciting you try new things I mean I don't necessarily recommend the first time you bring it up being like I've signed us up for a sex party because we need to spice up our sex <laughs> you know maybe don't go that fast but maybe like hey we could we could attend this interesting sex party that my friend's been to and we don't have to even do anything we could just go and be in the environment or let's go you know watch some porn together that's really tasteful and fun and it's all experimentation and let's put ourselves in a new situation. It might suck. You may not like it. I agree with you. I like one of our guests, like she's, she's hilarious. She was telling us like first time she went to a swinger party and she said, like, I had this idea of it's going to be elaborate event. Then she was like a suburb home with like plastic covering everywhere. And she was saying that it wasn't what she anticipated, but she found aspect of it, like people watching her very arousing. So you're right that Maybe you're suggesting something and it's totally not what you imagine. But I think kind of like going through that experience with your partner can be very exciting. I think the other thing that you mentioned that's really helpful is for people to think about, maybe I said that like do version 1.2 of what you're already doing. Like couples have different level of adventureness. If you're an adventurous couple, go for it, as I said. But if you're a couple that you're starting incorporating novelty in the relationship, maybe you want to kind of start with something that you're doing and pairing it with a novel thing to see what does that feel like. And I think what the other thing that's important, I think that's least that's my experience with heterosexual couples, because that's what I see mostly in my practice, is that when people kind of introducing the novel activity, you want to make sure that your your partner is a star of that show, right? So if you're watching porn with your partner, if you're kind of like doing kind of some kind of role play, 
make sure you're emphasizing it that you want to do this because you want to do this with your partner versus kind of like you watching porn and like your partner feeling that they're just in the way. Mm -hmm. It's true because you really want to keep the focus on the partner, on the relationship, on the pleasure that you're having together. And it's such tender, sensitive territory, you know, and it can be very fun. And I'm not saying you have to emotionally process every single thing or anything, you know, sometimes that's really good. And sometimes it's just let have fun and not get into that. But you want to be attentive and loving to your partner in the process. I love how you said that. Well, I think the other thing that people it's helpful to think about is so kind of like cultivating eroticism. Because I know sometimes people think about we got to have more sex, but if they're kind of like they're not investing an erotic dynamic of the relationship, the sexual part might not feel as fulfilling and exciting. How can we work on that in relationships? So the way I think about it is, you know, there's erotic and then there's sensual and both types of connection can produce turn on. Erotic tends to be in the realm of kind of like mental stimulation and turn on or ideas or fetishes or things you're not supposed to do or things like that, which, as we were talking about a few minutes ago, can be something fun to bring in, you know, like that your your partner says, I want to have sex somewhere I've never had sex before, but you and then you you text her and you're like, all right come outside and in the car, you know, and then do it in the backseat or whatever it is, you know, it's kind of this tantalizing, let me play to the, the kinks and the interest that's erotic. So that's one way to do it. The other way is the more sensual approach, which has less to do with like the idea of some, something naughty or something different or something, whatever, all of that's really good. But the sensual could be more you know, you're physically appealing to their senses and tantalizing them deliberately, like flirting with them, you know, like let's say you normally come home from work and, you know, let's talk about a man-woman relationship and the woman comes home from work and the husband's hanging out and doing whatever he's doing at home. And, you know, normally they're like, hey, hey, what's up? Yeah, got that bill. I paid the bill or whatever it is. But it's like, hey, you know, maybe she takes an extra second and comes over and puts your hand on his shoulder and gives him a kiss, you know, missed you today. It takes five seconds and it, it's, it works to bring a sensual, flirty connection deliberate into the situation. And I mean, there's a limit to how much of that you can do if you're deliberate about it, you know, or your partner gets home and they seem a little stressed and you offer them, hey, let me rub your feet for a little bit. You've introduced the sensual connection and the attentiveness that can then build. I I love what you said about the sensual piece and erotic energy. I think for erotic ideas, we have the free checklist that people can download and get some ideas. And it can be a neutral way of introducing you with a partner. Like, let's look at the list, which one we'd like. I think that's that's one component. But I think sensuality piece also is extremely important. I feel that's a neglected part of in the many long-term relationship. 
many couples, they just feel disconnected from each other throughout the week. And then when they want to have sex, they have this expectation that they still have that connection. And again, sometimes people do, but it's, it, it is a, a habit that Lori, that's the energy you want to cultivate in your relationship. I think like sensuality is really, really important. I think even Gottman, they're talking, they talk about kind of like five second kiss. I don't know, like a few second kiss when you see your partner and those rituals of connections. I think that's really, really important as, as you mentioned. And I know you teach different touches even. I, you graciously offered me one of your workshops that I attended and it was an extended massive orgasm. And it was about even the intentionality you're bringing with your touch the energy can get transferred. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. So Erwan and I have designed a set of about 12 touching practices and singles or couples can do them, right? But, you know, if you imagine a couple that's in a long-term relationship, really we're often by default in our head handling logistics in life, which leads to less turn on and less interest in the partner. And these touching practices take into account the fact that many of us are not really ready to go from zero to a hundred. Like, okay, let's have sex. You know, like you're saying, okay, like hard to get into it. So some of the practices start more like a neutral, emotional kind of physical connection. One partner is sitting up the other person's laying down on their back right at their partner's side. And then the partner who's sitting up just simply lays their hands on the partner laying down's body. One on the chest and one on the abdomen. And you just kind of breathe. And it's amazing how that feels, you know, to just be held there. And then they can progress, you know, that's called deep touch. And then you can lift your hands off the body and that's light touch, which is more energetic and kind of touching through your energy. And then there's taking touch, which is, you know, the partner laying down, chooses a body part for their sitting up partner to stroke. And there's a whole communication style, but the key is slowing down and having these specific things to do. And, you know, some people feel a little awkward when they're first starting it because they've never done something like this with their partner. Sex has always been sort of spontaneous. But if you can just let go into it, you know, and try it, amazing, because it gives you something to do on the days that one or both of you may not want to be explicitly sexual. And it also is a nice stepping stone physically connecting and it really builds that yummy energy between the two of you really quickly. I mean, I'm still surprised by it, you know, and I teach this. I agree with you. You know, one of the couples that I was working with, the, the like I signed like this non, non-sexual type of touch with sensate focus that many of the colleagues are aware of it. And the low desire partner, she was like, she was very excited. Like when we checked in about that, she said, oh my God, it was just so nice to get touched, but knowing that there was no expectation for me to be sexual, that actually helped me to relax and notice desire. So I, I agree with you that the sensual touch can be very, very powerful. And even if it's not related and connected to having sex, right? Kind of like just as an investment in erotic energy or sensual energy between the 
couples. And I think it's also, it's helpful for people to expand the idea of sex as you were talking about having this play or pleasure time. I think having, kind of thinking about sex as a play, I think it's really helpful reframing. Like if, if you were thinking about when you were a child and you were going to this play party, it's right. Like if you wanted to play with your friend, if you were pushing to only do the activity you wanted, the next time the friend didn't want to play with you. <laughs> and I think that's yes. what happens in many, for many couples. Yes, it's such a good analogy. And it's really from a lack of education of what could be, you know, I mean, the partner that's like, let's have sex, let's have sex. It's, it's not usually because they only really want sex. It's they want connection and they don't know that there's so many other ways that are sensual or maybe other types of sexual acts that can lead to it. So they're like sex, 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 but what they're really wanting is connection, connection, connection. And then you know, the other partner often is kind of like, well, I need connection first. I need to be warmed up. And then they butt heads. But, but to really see that the goal is connection, you know, all like the kid on the playground is like, we should have to play four square. You know, maybe that's the only game he knows or he, and he wants to play, but doesn't know what else to do. And obviously then also doesn't have the skills to even talk, communicate about that. So it's nice to open up the spectrum of what one can do with their partner. Absolutely. And checking with yourself about, okay, what, what is the meaning of sex for you? As you mentioned, is it about connection? Is it about thrill? Is it about release? That can guide you and open up the door as what other ways that can help me to experience that, but also kind of be, stay relational. Kind of thinking about like, okay, maybe this week we're playing with swings. Next week we do the four square thing. So kind of at least taking turn and, I think it's helpful to, if you have a good relationship, is be willing and being gracious during sex. So, of course, we don't want you to do something that you don't want to do at all. But people get very surprised when they say yes at time to a neutral activity and they discover, okay, it was much better than what I wanted. So I think that's also important. Mm. Yeah, being open-minded because sometimes, and open, really, that's the, see, when we work with couples that have mismatched libido, I often like to keep it simple and say the kind of high desire partner, their job is to find ways of touch and engaging that the low desire partner wants, you know, go to them, do what they want to do versus what you think that you guys should be doing. And the low desire partner's job is to be open, like open to possibility and open to more because the high desire partner is often like, all right, fine. What if all she wants is to take a walk and eat, go get ice cream or, you know, I'm not doing that. You know, I want to have sex. So, you know, there's these concerns that come up, but you both, if you're in a stance of willingness and, and trust, you know, you'll, you, you come together and then it's way more worth it than, you know, forcing something upon someone or just shutting a door to like not be controlled. Absolutely. And I kind of like taking an inventory of your relationship. What have you tried to bring back kind of like the excitement? If you have tried with pushing and negotiating and begging and stuff, it's not working. Maybe then now it's a time to change course because like if more likely that if you continue to do the same thing, you will see the same result. Well, I, I found our conversation very, very helpful. And I always want to talk to you, I get tons of great information. So for our listeners that they want to get a hold of you, learn about your offerings, where can they find you? 
Sure. So Erwin and I have programs and coaching. They're all offered online and we have in-person offerings. We're here in San Francisco. So it's really available for everybody. We've got an awesome group program, Mastery of Relationship that singles and couples love to do. And we've got extended orgasm training programs and Tantra events and all sorts of stuff. So there's something for everybody that wants to participate. And the best way to get a hold of me is to contact me for a time to chat. I like to call it a love life consultation. It's free. It's really for people that are interested in learning more about our programs and how it would support them. So you can either text our school the number is 415-308-9580. That's 415-308-9580. Or you can click a link, which I'll give you for the show notes. And we'll set up a time to chat and see what you want. And our website is davonmethod.com. And we're on Instagram and TikTok at davonmethod. Beautiful. And I something for our listeners to know is I'm very kind of hesitant to attend workshops at times because you don't know what they're teaching, the environment. But the one that I attended from you and Irvan was very tasteful, but also increased my knowledge. So I think that's a kind of good combination of giving ideas, building excitement, but also kind of like increasing your kind of knowledge. So I definitely Mm. encourage our listeners to check out your website. I know you have a newsletter that you have offering in the newsletter. So hopefully they take you on on this wonderful invitation. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. This was lovely. Thank you. I'm super grateful that Alicia came back to the show. If you haven't checked out our previous conversation, make sure you're going back to the archive. We had this wonderful conversation about extended massive orgasms that's been very popular. And to you guys, our listeners, as we conclude this episode, I want to leave you with three compelling reasons why it's worth making an effort to bring sexual tension and novelty in your long-term relationship. First of all, sexual tension keeps the spark alive. It ignites passion, desire, and anticipation, creating a magnetic connection between you and your partner. Second of all, exploring novelty in your sexual experiences can open doors to new discoveries and uncharted pleasure. It allows you to break free from routine and experience the thrill of unknown. And finally, investing in sexual tension and novelty is an investment in your overall relationship satisfaction. It cultivates a deeper level of intimacy, fosters emotional connection, and strengthens the bond between you and your partner. So don't forget to download our free summer sexy bucket list checklist packed with exciting ideas to revitalize your intimacy. Whether you're looking to reignite the chase, embrace eroticism, or find the perfect balance between comfort and novelty, this checklist has something for everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of our sexology community. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned for more enriching conversations about novelty. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast 
is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.